Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Get low before the Lord God. Oh my gosh, it's such a good thing to do. So the Lord gave him a long opportunity to turn back, but Ahab never did. Ahab got low, but he never really did get right. So his repentance, his getting low, it was just a brief temporary time. Oh no, the Lord's mad at me. And he got low, scared for a little bit, and it wore off. And he's like, ah, everything's okay. That's too bad. He shouldn't have done that. But now here we are much later in history during the reign of Ahab's son. And since Ahab never did, set the family line back to the Lord God. He could have, you know, when he was low, he should have thought, you know what? I better steer my family away from false God worship of Baal. And I need to turn them back to the Lord. He had, he had enough fear that he should have done that, but he didn't. And since he did not do it, now the Lord had to make good on his word by executing judgment in the time of his son, now against King Joram. So I know that Jehu is kind of like the boogeyman here in chapter 9. He's a scary guy. But in reality, we have to understand that Jehu was actually obeying and fulfilling what the Lord God said for him to do. Friends, we have to understand that the Lord God will get wrathfully firm with our sin, and he will judge it in the most extreme ways. That's his word. It says that about him. So God had long ago said that he was going to judge Ahab's son. And now here it is in 2 Kings 9. Jehu had killed Joram with a spirit-enabled super strike, drawing that bow back and hit him right between the heart. And that permanently ended Israel's fourth royal dynasty is done. Now, if you're still wondering why the Lord judged Jehoram for Ahab's sin, then let's be reminded of what it says about him in 2 Kings 8, verse 18. It says, He followed the ways of the kings of Israel just as the family of Ahab had done. He had the opportunity to get right, and he didn't do it. So the Lord had to judge Jehoram because he continued in the way of his father, like Ahab's line was doing. Now to think, if Ahab had repented and stayed that way, then all of this other stuff could have been avoided. Ahab had the opportunity to redirect his family's path back to the Lord, but he chose not to turn back to the Lord, and he could have affected all of Israel under his leadership too, in great blessed ways, but he didn't do it. And so he ended up cursing his family line all the way down to Jehoram's death, shot through the heart by Jehu, 2 Kings 9.27. But when Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, he fled by the road to Beth Hagen. So Jehu pursued him and said, Shoot him also in the chariot. And they shot him at the ascent of Gur, which is by Iblium. Then he fled to Megiddo and died there. 
And his servants carried him in the chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. In the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah had become king over Judah. So look, guys, we got both of these kings of the two separate Israel kingdoms, the former kings now, they got their final end. Why? Because they would not stop the worship of the false god Baal. The Lord just wasn't going to have it anymore. Don't say God's not fair. Don't say God is wrong somehow. He gave them a lot of time, generations of time. But look at the time frame of when Ahaziah became king. It says in the 11th year of Joram. So this gives you an idea of how long the Lord waited for Joram and Ahaziah to turn back, at least over a good decade for one of them, right? Look at how much time the Lord gave them to repent. You know, after 11 years of this, one might think, well, you know, I guess God doesn't care. I've been worshiping Baal for over 10 years, and God hadn't done anything about it yet. That's what a lot of people think of God. They think, well, you know, I've been been doing this my whole life, and God hadn't done anything yet, so they just keep on going. They think God's not going to do anything about it just because he hasn't done it yet. Friends, having an attitude like that is an abuse of the time that the Lord God has given you. The Lord God is right now waiting for you to turn and get right with him. Don't take the fact that he hasn't done anything about it to mean that he doesn't care or he's not going to. What God's word says is sin is sin. Now, these guys here, these kings, they just blew off a lot of time that they could have gotten right with the Lord, but didn't. But boy, oh boy, are we finally going to get to hear what happens to that wicked to the core Queen Jezebel, Ahab's wife. She's about to get hers for killing so many of God's people. Second Kings 9 and 30. Now, when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. Then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? Okay, so why did she say this? That is not Zimri. That is Jehu. Why did she call him Zimri? Apparently, Jezebel had heard of her son's death by the time Jehu got there. And so she probably figured maybe she's next on the hit list. And she was right. She is. (laughs) So she put on this crazy makeup and she arranged her hair and her head in such a wild way, probably to try to make herself look very imposing. Like I am a, I'm a scary queen with so much authority. Don't you dare mess with me. And she wanted to have a look that probably amplified her attitude as a queen. Maybe she thought she would look scary enough that it would make Jehu too afraid to kill her. But what were the sarcastic words about? Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? What was that? She knew this was Jehu. So why did she call him Zimri? Well, back in 1 Kings 16 was that guy named Zimri. He reigned as king for just seven days. (laughs) He didn't make it a week. This guy was, was bad. And typically when you see a short-lived king's reign, that's because he was very, very wicked, and the Lord would not bless him with a long one, okay? So what he did, this guy Zimri, the king that was before him, he, had it, he went in and killed him so that he could just take over for himself. But when people heard what he did, they weren't happy about it. They came to kill Zimri. And when he saw them coming to get him, 
he set fire to the house so that it burned and fell down on himself. He basically commits suicide. So when Jezebel called Jehu Zimri, she was trying to strike fear in Jehu that he would die for killing Joram and her in the same way that Zimri died. She was trying to make a threat. If you come in here and kill me, then people are going to kill you. She painted herself up and made her hair up a certain way. She tried to look threatening, and she threw verbal threats. You kill me, you know good and well you're going to die as well. Jezebel didn't recognize the power of the Lord. She didn't realize that Jehu was anointed to do this. Basically, Jezebel was trying to play her last desperate card trick here to try to get out of this alive. Now, what's hypocritical about her is that with as many of God's people that she had murdered, she still had the nerve to call Jehu a murderer. Imagine that. 2 Kings 9.32 And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Then he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses and he trampled her underfoot. Whoa, splat! But look at how she was so vile. She was so wicked that her own servants, these eunuchs that were up in the room with her, they were looking out through the window. He said, throw her out, and they did. Obviously, they couldn't stand her, so they were immediately willing to help Jehu get rid of her. Then Jehu drove his chariot over her back and forth and trampled her They trampled her corpse with the horses, making double, triple, quadruple sure that she was dead. Now, you remember that prophet that was told to go in and anoint him. He was told, after you pour the oil, get away from him as fast as you can. You book it. Get it out of there. Guys, look at Jehu. He was on fire with God's wrathful judgment, and the prophet didn't want to be anywhere near this guy once it was unleashed. And now. Jehu is unleashing the fury of God that God had against these people, and their judgment had come. I'm telling you, friends, if you're listening to me today, you've sinned, you know you have. You know what you've done. Right now, I'm saying now, if you got to pause this podcast or turn off the radio, whatever you got to do, and say, Father, forgive me, I'm sorry, get right with him now while you can. 2 Kings 9.34 And when he had gone in, he ate and drank. Then he said, Go now, see to this accursed woman, and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. So they went to bury her. But they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore they came back and told him. And he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, On the plot of ground at Jezreel, Dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as refuse on the surface of the field, and the plot at Jezreel, so that they shall not say, Here lies Jezebel. Basically, he's saying she's not going to get a funeral. There's going to be nothing left of her to bury. So let's recall how Jezebel stole Naboth's vineyard to give it to King Ahab, so she had Naboth and his sons murdered. But the very place where she fell and died is the exact same ground that had been Naboth's vineyard. I want you to notice throughout all this chapter, 
it was never prophesied that she would die, quote, on the ground. It never said on the ground. What did it say? It said specifically that she would die on what was called the plot of ground. This is specifying a certain location, the plot of ground. This would be to indicate that it was Naboth's stolen vineyard. So what you could say is that the place of Jezebel's own sinful desire, the place that she stole, the place where she did her wickedness, that is the very place that killed her. She did not leave the place of her sin, and so that's what killed her. Now, this is a great illustration that's in this for us here. I want you to remember that God's law was in place to keep people from stealing an Israelite's inheritance. But Jezebel completely disregarded God's law. By having her die on the ground that she stole, on that plot, by having her die in the place of her sinful desire, the Lord was showing everyone, if you disregard my law, you will die in it. Friends, are you with me? If you disregard my law, you're going to die in that place. Proverbs 19.16 says, keep God's law and you will live longer, but if you ignore it, you will die. Now, friends, another illustration that I want us to see here is how Jehu seems to have forgotten about the Lord's prophecy against Jezebel. He, He forgot about the whole thing. I want you to check this out. Before Jehu went in to eat, it says, and by the way, isn't that kind of interesting? After he killed Jezebel, everybody says, hey, come in and eat. Let's party. They were glad to see her gone. So let's go eat up. That You did a good thing for us here. <laughs> so before he went in to eat, he gave orders for Jezebel to be buried. Did you see that? He said, go bury her. That was a king's daughter. But after the wild dogs ate her and it was reported back to him that there's nothing left, then that's when he recalled Elijah's prophecy that said there would be nothing left of her to even have to bury at all. So why did Jehu give orders to have Jezebel buried, but then when he recalled that she shouldn't be buried at all? I believe that when Jehu ordered her burial, he was just acting according to cultural tradition. Typically, when somebody died as royalty, you give them a big burial. However, after he saw the the judgment that she took, there was nothing left of her. He recalled the prophecy, the, the fact that God's wrathful judgment did not care about cultural tradition when it came to snuffing out these wicked people. Friends, we have to realize Jezebel rejected God's law when they stole Naboth's vineyard and murdered his sons, and so God rejected Jezebel's traditional right to a royal funeral. Now today, we have an entire culture of people that conduct themselves according to their culture, where sin is now completely okay, your life is yours, do what you want, you are entitled to take whatever you want for yourself, because our culture says so. Just like how Jezebel and Ahab stole Naboth's vineyard, oh, this ain't sin, we're the king and the queen, we get to do what we want to do, we are entitled to it. Now, this kind of conduct is completely ignorant of God's law, which happens to say, thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not murder, right? And so for anyone who lives their life on their own terms, it was my life, I can do what I want to, ignoring God's laws, 
refusing to repent and get right with the Lord God, they will die for it, regardless of what your culture says that you should be allowed to do. Friend, let me put something to you. When you stand before the Lord God in his court, not in man's court, God will never stand in our court, but we will stand in his. When you stand before the Lord God in judgment, all the people that told you, go ahead and sin, it's okay, it's all right, we got your back, they will not have your back on the day of judgment. It will just be you and God, and that's it. What are you going to do? Friends, our culture teaches that God would never execute such terrifying judgments on the sinful like we've read today. But Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Friends, you ought to be scared of the Lord God. If you're in what God's Word says is sin, well, I get to do it. It's my right, and I'm going to celebrate it, and I'm going to parade it around. And you're in that sin, you got a day coming that is scary. It should scare you. Just like when the king realized Jehu was coming to get him. Is it peace? Oh, no. He's coming to get me. And he turned and he ran. But by that time, it was too late. Friends, don't wait until it's too late for you. I want us all to consider how the Lord had long ago said that he was going to judge these wicked people, but they didn't listen. And now here in 2 Kings 9, here it is. And I can't help but think of King Ahab, how he humbled himself when he first got in big trouble with God that one time, but he didn't make that change permanent for anyone who might be playing around with sin. Just because culture says it's okay, and just because God hadn't done anything about it yet. Oh, I've been doing this for years, Ray. God hadn't done anything about it now. Yeah, because he's waiting for you to turn and get right. He's giving you time. He's being patient with you. You think he's not going to act, though. How long do you think you're going to be allowed to continue? How long do you think you're going to be allowed to get away with it before the Lord finally executes enough judgment to put a stop to it all? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 3 says, For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Friends, I want you to think of Ahab's sin. It cursed his entire family line. But at any time, any time, Ahab could have stopped the curse and not let it get past himself. If only he had stayed low when he got low. If only he had stayed there, but he didn't. Friends, today, you have the opportunity to say, it stops with me. It goes no further than me. I'm going to stop it here so that it will not affect my family. It won't affect my children, my friends. I'm going to make it stop with me. You have the choice right now to turn to the Lord God and redirect the entire course of your life, including those you have influence over, your entire family line. You can turn them back towards trusting in God. Now, Jehoram, he should have looked at his dad, Jehoshaphat. It, it was this one guy that was, that was godly that he had an opportunity to learn from, but instead he let the culture get into his ears to tell him what to do. Friends, don't die like Jezebel. Don't go down in the place of your own sinful desire. God said that his judgment is coming. His wrathful 
angry judgment against our sin is coming. And your tradition, your culture can't stop it. Your friends, well, we got your back. They won't have your back when the Lord gets here. Remember how the king hollered out to Ahaziah, it's treachery. Oh, no, help me jump in and do something. That other king couldn't do anything about it. And he was a king with authority. Your friends aren't going to be able to help you either. Your friends can't stop the wrath of God. Your culture can't stop God's judgment. Nothing can stop it because we all sinned, even me. I'm not just jumping on you. I sinned too, friends. I really did. There's only one place that can stop it, only one, and it's on the cross of Jesus Christ. God took the judgment, the wrath that he had for you and I for the sin that we both committed, and he took it and put it on Jesus so that if you will declare Jesus as Lord, then your penalty of your sins, the death penalty that you've got coming to you, will get transferred off of you and get moved over and put on Jesus Christ at the cross so that he goes down with it, so that you won't go down with it. He offers to take it for you so that you don't have to. And that's how Jesus can save you from your sin and give you the gift of eternal life. There's going to be a lot of people that are not going to get right with the Lord, and the horn is going to blow, and King Jesus is going to come, and he's going to come angry against sin. And just like when he saw that king coming and it scared him, friends, when Jesus comes, it's going to scare them. The unwilling to turn, the unwilling to repent, they are going to be afraid. It is going to be a terrifying day for them when Jesus comes back. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, friends, you can make a turn today. Look, God has it out for your sin, and he's going to judge it one way or another. It's either going to be judged on you, or it's going to be judged on Christ. Which way is it going to go? Salvation is not automatic. You have to be willing to obey God. Think of Jezebel and Ahab. They didn't care about God's laws. They didn't care about what God said. They were entitled We just want what we want for ourselves, and we don't care about nobody else. Friends, that's the way most of the world is today. I just care about me. It's my life. I want what I want. I'm going to do what I want for me. And if that's your attitude, you're going down, friend. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of when the Lord wants to have it happen. However, you can have it judged today. You can say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. I've sinned greatly, and I know I messed up. Forgive me. I now accept your gift. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to die in my place. I make you Lord of my life. I will now follow you. I will now obey you and do what you say. Thank you for saving me. I give it all to you. You are now the boss. I will now obey you. I will follow you. I repent of my old life. I turn from it. Take it. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you just said that prayer, the Bible says you're saved. Now follow him. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.